all doing? I don't believe that was everybody answering. Sure. You know, kind of like Sunday night is a, at the end of the week, we've run out of steam, but we have to stoke you up for the week now. So um, I trust that Thursday was a real inspiration. Who was here Thursday? Just, I know that some of us. Were you blessed? Is that all? <laughs> so, so here's what I want to challenge us with on about Thursday. We can have moments where God does amazing stuff like that. Do you think that we could live there all the time? Three of us. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question. Maybe you didn't hear it. Can you just turn the volume up a little bit? No, 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 I'm joking, I'm joking. Do you think we could live there all the time? Some of you are still not sure. I do believe because the Spirit of God lives on the inside of us. Jesus said, I came to seek and save that which was lost. Proverbs says, he who wins souls is wise. I believe that we are all wise here. Lord Jesus, help me, please. So, so the thing I want to leave with us is that we have moments that stir us into, into another level. But if you don't keep stoking that fire, you're going to migrate back to where you used to be. Just in mediocre life. And I don't believe that that's what God wants us to do. When God comes and injects us with something, He intends to us to taste something so that we move up a level. So we saw what God could do in the sense of salvations. Did you see that? I believe, and this is, I, want you, I, want to, I want to confess my sin right now. I stood here on Thursday night I saw this place packed. I saw the salvation. I saw, and, and, and we were witnessing miracles that were happening. And I said, Father, that is the desire I have for Edge Me PM. Oh, thank you. Oh, I was hoping that I was going to get more excited than that. So I challenge you don't go back to who you used to be. We're going forward. You know, the children of Israel, when they came out of Egypt, they were so accustomed to slavery that when God wanted to set them free, the first challenge they, fed, they, they, they met, they wanted to go back to Egypt again. And God says, no ways, you're not going back. I didn't bring you this far to leave you. And I didn't bring you this far so you could go back again. I brought you this far so that you could enter the promise that I had spoken and I had prepared for you. So church, we're going into the promise of God. We're going to become a church that is so vibrant, excited about the kingdom of God, about seeing people saved, about seeing people set free, that we're not going to be able to sleep at nighttime. In Jesus' name. So let that kind of like stir you a little bit. And um, so, yeah, we're going to build on that one a little bit. Uh, I'm not too sure when, how, and all that kind of stuff, but I'm just telling you what's stoking on the inside of me. So before I go on to tonight, because... I, this week I was kind of like wrestling. What do you minister on after a Thursday night like that? And um, I really just felt God. So we've been dealing with foundation stuff is to give some tools to people that either have been serving the Lord for a long time, but maybe have been struggling with how to read the word. And people that have just come in to know Jesus to try and help them to get into the word. So that's what we're going to do tonight. It's going to be very practical, very, very basic, very down to. I'm asking, and I want to challenge every one of us, that 
technology has moved in and we've become so, so easy with our notes. But there's still something about writing that does something for you. I'm old school. I understand that. And I'm not putting this as a doctrine on you. But I want to strongly recommend that you come to church, any meeting with a pen and a paper, so that you write. Because I believe there's something that connects with your brain as you write. I also want to say this to you, that your Bible is not God. It's just God's Word. And so, write in your Bible. Highlight your Bible. Underline it. Put references in the, in the margins. Do things to make it easier for you so that when you go back, until you become accustomed with where everything is, make notes so that you can go and find the things that you have, have kind of like patched together that will help you when you're talking to someone else. Is that okay? Right. So before I go there now, I want to go back to last week. And um, I just want to... Just Maybe I communicated something. We spoke about um, the resurrection of the dead. And, and there's a scripture that I use that I want to just make sure that I haven't left you or given you the wrong impression. So the scripture that I used was found in 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 16. And it says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of call of God. And listen to this. The dead in Christ will rise first. After that... We who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with him in the cloud and meet the Lord in the air. So, because those are tied together, our brain automatically goes that they are going to happen simultaneously. We don't know when they're going to happen. It just knows that it says after that, we who are still alive will be caught into, in the air and meet the Lord. So, the, the, the problem that the church has gone into and has got itself into a lot of trouble is where we have nailed certain dates and specific times to something, and it doesn't work out that way. Okay, so um, if I led you down to believe that that would, would possibly be at the same time, and it could be, we don't know, but there could possibly be a gap between that as well. So please forgive me if um, I gave you that kind of impression. Is that okay? Is that a little bit clearer? Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you for being gracious. Okay, so what I want to talk about, how to read the word and get something out of it. Um, I, 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 don't, so I, I didn't do well at school. And um, so that's why I teach these kind of things, because this is the way that I was able to help myself. If academic is not very good for you, you've got to think of ways on how to be able to help yourself, because you can't go through life not reading the word. So you have to. So if you're not a good reader, you're going to have to find a way on being able to listen to the word or get into the word for yourself. And, um, and so what happens is there is only one thing that sustains me and you in our Christian life, and that's God's word. There's, there's no shortcut. There's no around that thing. We, we know we're always looking for ways to get around this mountain if we don't want to go over it. But you have to read the Word. You have to get the Word on the inside of you. You have to be meditating on the Word. Those are the words that the Bible uses so that you and I can get to understand that. Why? Because when you read the Word, it's going to help you to know who you are. It's also going to help you and I to understand our purpose. You, didn't you weren't born just to fill a space. You weren't born just because maybe this generation was the kind of generation God wanted. No, God put you in that generation because he wanted you to be a game changer in that generation. So you and I have a purpose, but it's connected to understanding the word. 
And also, when we read the word, we learn, it, it helps us unfold our destiny. So I don't know about you, but I found out that as I've gone along, God didn't tell me everything about my life the first time he spoke to me. But he gave me a little bit. And then I started to run along that little thread that he gave me. And as I would go down that thread, so would you open other things that I started to discover. So 20, 35 years ago, I didn't know that I could be doing this. But I've discovered that as I've gone along the road. But I had to start somewhere. And I started running a comm. Did I ever tell you about running the first comm? Can I give you a lesson on how not to? <laughs> so remember the background. Not, I, I'm, I'm not very good at, at, at uh, academic and whatever. So I'm running this comm. I'm in my early 20s. And um, there's two other young guys that, for some reason, they felt that they were... Um, What's a nice word to use? They, they felt that they had to kind of like challenge me on everything. And you know, when, when eventually you get frustrated because you don't know the answers. But because of my, my upbringing, I knew how to sort it out. So in one com, I got up to go over and to punch the one over because I just had enough. I do want to say to you, though, that the comm didn't go well after that. So we prayed and we went home. And um, I, want to, I want to strongly encourage you, don't do that. Um, if your frustration <laughs> levels, don't do that. Okay. So God's words teaches us principles that's going to unlock the blessing of God, the goodness of God. It's going, to get, it's going to cause faith to rise up on the inside of us because the enemy comes in like a flood every now and then. Have you noticed that? He comes in and he wants to bowl you and I over. But you're going to have to learn to have resistance to that. You're going to have to learn to be able to stand, to concrete yourself down in your spiritual life so that you can stand these storms that are coming. It's all got to do with God's word. In 2 Timothy 2 verse 15, in the NIV it says, Do your best. Do you what? God doesn't love leftovers. I believe we're very good at giving God leftovers. It got quiet in here. I've been there. Where you can't like give God dribble afterwards. It says do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. In other words, you're qualified. A worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. God gives us his word. That means I can actually take it out of context. I can manipulate it so that it works more in my favor. There's lots of stuff like that that's going on. But I believe God wants you and I to learn how to handle it correctly so we apply it in the right context, we apply it with the right motive, the right attitude, all those things. Very important. In the Derby translation, it says, Strive diligently to present thyself approved to God, a workman that has not to be ashamed, cutting in a straight line the word of truth. I love those words. New King James Version says, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So we have a responsibility, and that is to present God's word correctly. 
So here's the deal. God says, I watch over my. He doesn't watch over your ideas. He watches over his word. And so his word, he's given it in a certain context. That's the way we present it. And that's where he watches over. And that's why we need to know the word. But if we don't know the word, there's nothing that you and I can communicate correctly. So I have to get to know the word. You know, it's very interesting. A country will send an ambassador into another country. What does an ambassador do? An ambassador represents a country in another country. The Bible says we're in this world, but we're not part of it. So therefore, we're ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven, and God is wanting us to represent the kingdom of heaven correctly here on earth. Because how are people that do not know Jesus going to come to know him if we're not doing it correctly? What picture are they getting? What ideas are filling their heads about Christianity? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and they said, well, if that person calls himself a Christian, then I want nothing to do with it. Have you ever heard that? So what do you think? <laughs> do you think that that person that they were talking about was behaving correctly? Representing something correctly? So we need to be those people. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture was given by inspiration of God. God speaking. And it's interesting that God speaks through a number of different kind of people at different times, and he never contradicts himself. That has to be God. It says there, and is profitable for doctrine, which is what keeps us together and on the same page, for reproof, in other words, reprimanding, for correction, in other words, altering one's course. Have you noticed that when you read the word, it's going to touch a nerve somewhere? Why did it do that? Excuse me. Because God wants to alter the course. There's been many times in my life God's touched sudden something. And the reason why he touches it, because he wants it to change. And God's gentle in the way he does it. It says, for instruction in righteousness. In other words, what is acceptable to the Lord. There's a certain way of living that God requires you and I to live by. And he's, he's not expecting you and I to do that on his own. That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit to help us. So he sent the helper to do that. But his word is still the standard in which he has out there. It says, verse 17, using the, scripture, the, the, the scriptures, those who serve God will be prepared and will have everything they need to do every good work. There's some good work for you and I to do. We're going to find it because of the word of God. So, if we don't place value on the word, we will never make time for it. It's amazing how we find value in running. We find value in our sport. We find value in a lot of stuff. And then we alter our life and we will bend it in there. But when it comes to important things and we don't value it, we'll never make time for it. And then we'll say this, I don't have time. No, we do have time. We're just not prepared to bend in a life that we've got right now to be able to put it in there. So how important is the word? If you go and read just Psalm 119, listen to all these scriptures about what it says about the word. Verse 9 in Psalm 190 says, How can a young man keep his ways pure? By keeping it according to your word. Young generation, there's a lot out there that the world wants to draw you away with. 
lot out there that it's, it's aimed at your fleshly desires. Quick satisfaction. <laughs> that word. I've got too many teeth in my mouth tonight. They're getting in the way. Instant gratification. But God's word still is the one that's going to keep your life straight as it still keeps mine straight. And it's going to still be the same voice. God doesn't change his mind. One day it's good and one day no, it's changed his mind. No, God's exactly the same. Yesterday, today, forever. So when he talks to you about one thing, he just keeps talking about the same thing. He never changes that goalpost. Verse 11, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. So where does God want his word? In our heart. How do I get it into my heart? When I read the word, where does it first go? Into my mind. But then God gives me an instruction. Well, he talks to Joshua. He says, meditate on my word day and night that you may be successful in all that you do. You see, as I meditate on God's word and I allow it to roam around and change my thinking, change my behavior, all of a sudden it sinks down from here to there. Becomes part of my life. And now all of a sudden, the word of God becomes the very foundation I build on. So when I need to stand in faith, I stand on that word. I'm not talking about hoping it's going to happen. There's something that changes. I know this thing's going to happen. I have this reassurance in my heart. God's standing by his word. I'm going to see this thing. I'm just going to keep on standing on it. Verse 28, Psalm 119. Strengthen me according to your word. Strengthen me. Do you feel weak sometimes? I'm telling you there's a promise in the word that will strengthen you. Got to go and find it. It's like when my blood sugar runs low. What are you going to do? You better eat something. Otherwise, your blood sugar stays low. Better pop yourself up. How? Eat. You want to strengthen yourself? Feed yourself the word. Feed yourself the word. You know what? Maybe maybe we need to even go into technology. Use technology. Put your cell phone on, and 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 the Bible can can read the thing to you. And maybe at nighttime, very on a low volume. Put it next to your bed and just let it run. So while you're sleeping, what are you doing? You're feeding your spirit man the word. When you are sleeping, your spirit man is not sleeping. It is alive. It's listening to the word. Are you here? Yeah? Yeah. Psalm 119 verse 105. It says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God's word is going to direct you and I. When we have to make those difficult decisions. Psalm 130. I mean, uh, verse 130. It says, the entrance of your word gives light. The lights come on. Ding! I'm just checking whether the lights are coming on you. <laughs> the entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Verse 165. Those who love your laws have great peace. And those and, and nothing causes them to stumble. Those who love your word have great peace. And nothing causes them to stumble. That's just in Psalm 119. So I'm just throwing some appetizer stuff out there. So how do I make the word of God become what the scripture says it is? It's, the, it's, it's all these scriptures that it's been talking about. Well, just read it. Read it. The problem is there's so much inside there that you're not going to learn it all in one day. But you are going to learn a little bit every day. And that's where we want to get to. You know, it's interesting that when our children go to school, they don't go and hit matric in age six. 
But they start in preschool. And preschool lays the foundation for the next year, grade R. And then grade R for grade one, and grade one for grade two. And they go, they work their way up to eventually matrix a walk in the park. I hope. We're going to find out at the end of the year, those are doing it. So reading it becomes important. But I have to unlock it. Why? By reading it. Meditating on it. And that means I have to dig. I have to dig. So, in one place we were, um, in Clarkstorp. Clarkstorp is a gold mining place. And I never found one person scratching on the surface and finding gold. In fact, nobody found. In fact, the mines in Clarkstorp, between Clarkstorp and Runfontein, vary between two kilometers to four kilometers deep. That is mighty far down there. Anybody been underground? What's it like down there? Exactly. So there was a guy, they called him a shift boss, that I was reaching out to and trying to see whether Jesus would arrest his life. And um, so I said, are you allowed to take people down with you? So I went down. Yo, 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 yo. You cannot explain to anybody what it's like down there. Number one, dark. What you know as dark is not dark. There it is dark. You can do this with your hand. You see nothing. It is, it is dark, dark, dark. You, you don't see no shadow. You see nothing. You open your eyes as wide as you can and there's nothing. So they had to dig down to find gold. Very interesting. What color do you think gold is in the rock down there? Exactly. It's black. It's not gold. So now, do you know how many black marks there are on rocks down in the ground there? How do you tell the difference? <laughs> so what happens is you have to train your eye to identify what is what. And it's amazing. The shift box. He's got, so everything you talk is with your light. So you, you, you can't point with your hand because you can't see it. It's dark. So you have to with your light. So you, wherever you're pointing like this. So here's a funny story. I heard this before I went to Clarkstall. That all the miners, when they go shopping with their wives, and they ask, which one do you want? Do you want the, this or mayonnaise or that mayonnaise? Because that one over there. <laughs> it's true. I promise you they would do that. Because they spend nine hours a day underground saying, like that one. Do that one over there. <laughs> so, then, so then what happens is when they've identified the, the line that is the gold and it's, it's about like this thick so they've removed tons and tons and tons of rock to get to where they're at and then they blow them out so that you can go and work inside there just for a little line like this that they follow they spray it with a red paint shh, so they know exactly and then they, they drill around there they blow it out, they take that up and they try and take as little waste as possible just so that the cost levels don't go up through the roof. The thing is, you have got to train your eye to identify that gold on the inside there. I want to tell you, you and I are going to have to train our eye that when we read the word, we're not just looking on the surface. We are starting to dig into it because we have to dig into culture. You have to dig into the time that it was at. Those kind of things. You've got to understand how they were thinking of those. Because if you're reading the Bible with a South African brain, you're going to miss most of what the Bible's trying to teach us. It's amazing when you go game viewing. How many of you go on game viewing? You sit in those jeeps. 
And the game warden, he says, look at the impala. Look at the kudu. And you're looking, you can't see anything because you just see bush. He sees the the buck in the bush. Why? Because his eye is trained. That's what he looks for every single day. And the Bible becomes exactly the same. You and I have got to train our eye to be able to draw from the word. So the question is, how do I learn to get something from the word? How do I train myself to read deeper than just reading on the surface? How do I dig to find the gold and the gems in the Bible so that when I, when I, when I finished it, I feel satisfied that there's something that has nourished me? So that's why I said, I want to encourage you, bring a book and a pen and start to write. So this is what I, I want. There's many, there's many different ways. This is just one way. This is the way that Basil Kalak has to process stuff. Is that okay? And, um, but this is not uh, the only way. So there's something about that writing. So when you go and start to read the word, don't go and read 400 chapters because you're not going to remember ditto. But take something small. Take something that you can. 15, 20 verses, maximum a chapter. And you start to read it. Maybe then you need to read it one, two, or three times. In the beginning, you're going to have to just teach yourself. And so it's going to take a little bit more time. So maybe you should just take a couple of, a, a less amount of, of verses that you actually read. And, um, and just read that one. So, and then you've got to look. You've got to look. Now, wives, how many of you, and this is the pot calling the kettle black now, Okay. How many of you have sent your husband to go and find something either in a cupboard or the fridge and he stands and he says, there's nothing in here. And then they come and they put it, it's right here in front of you and they just take it out the fridge. How many of you have done How many of you have prepared to confess your sin? <laughs> so, so you know what? It's exactly the same in the word is that there's stuff right in front of you, but somehow we don't, don't see it. And so because we just put a little bit of system in place, it's helping us to be able to get in there. So here's the first thing that you need to do when you understand. If you want to be a person that rightly divides the word of truth, understand the context in which it's being written. That's why you maybe need to read a little bit more. When you want to stand on a promise, don't just take a promise and think that you can bend it. Read before it, read after it, get the picture of the context in which it was written. Then you know how you are able to apply it into your life. Is that okay? So context becomes very, very important. Now, the problem is that when we're a new Christian, it's very difficult to do that. So that's why you now need to become part of a family because then you have somebody that you can talk to and say, I was reading this thing and like, I was not getting the picture. And you can walk with someone that's a little bit further down the road that can just help you understand a little bit more. And so the more we rub shoulders with each other, the more we learn. Is that okay? So now you're understanding the importance of the family business that we are speaking about. So keep the context. And then when we use it, we must use it in the context that it was written in so that we are able to do it correctly. So... But now, a little bit further down the road, when you want to start building on a truth, you've got to find out, does this truth run right from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, 
Or was this just something that I've picked up over here? Because you cannot build a truth on one scripture. It's not going to happen. All right? And so you need to kind of check. So, for example, we, we spoke a little while ago on the laying on of hands. And we went through right from the beginning how Abraham laid hands on. And we, and we followed that whole thing right through, even right into the New Testament with Jesus. And how he placed his hands on the children and he blessed them. So we see there that the, the doctrine of laying on of hands is consistent right throughout the Bible. Then there's certain things that you'll see in the Old Testament that you must always bring through the cross and see what it does on the other side. So, for example, in the Old Testament, there was the sacrifices where they had to bring an animal. An animal that was a certain condition, pure, no blemishes, and they would take it, they put their hands on there, they would sacrifice the animal, and that would, blood would be taken to the altar. It would be uh, something that would cover the sin of the person in the Old Testament. The Bible says that Jesus is the final lamb. So we see it comes through, and we see it on the other side, but we no longer see the sacrificing of animals anymore because Jesus becomes the final lamb. So he's the one that took it all, and he never covered sin. He dealt with sin. He removed it. Okay, so that's how we're getting the context and understanding. You're not going to know all that stuff just by being a born-again Christian and only serving the Lord for one day. So you're going to have to understand how relationships in the body of Christ now start to help us. Speak about blessing. You read from the book of Genesis, blessing, and how the blessing was passed on. How uh, God blesses Abraham. Abraham blesses Isaac. Isaac blesses Jacob. Jacob blesses his, his sons. We read in 1 Chronicles 4 how Jabez asked the Lord, Lord, will you bless me and enlarge my territory? And it ends off and says, God granted his request. Then we come right through to the New Testament and we see how God, how Jesus blesses the children. He also see how when the disciples were fishing out and they, had, they couldn't catch anything, then Jesus says to them, throw it on the other side. Same place. Just throw it on the other side. The blessing of God brings favor in the New Testament. So we see the blessing is consistent right throughout the Bible. Are you getting the picture? Okay, so this is a lot of information. But all I'm trying to tell you is that context is important and consistency. Okay, that's how we build ourselves as strong Christians. Why is this important? Because we're going to come into a time when there's going to be a lot of crazy things happening in this world. And we're going to have to know what is right and what we should stay away from. Okay, so it's cool. Um, now, there's another thing that we can do. I hope I'm not giving you too much information on this point. So there is the, the truth about a scripture, but then there's a principle that we can pull out of a scripture. So let me give you an illustration. If you go to 1 Corinthians 9, 14, it says this. In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. The context is Paul's writing about how the gospel should be supporting him and his needs. And people that have given up everything to minister the gospel. Okay? You can go and check that out. But there's a principle that we can pull from that. Rain, I'm going to read it to you. That those who preach the gospel 
should receive their living from the gospel. If you and I are going to preach the gospel, you better be living the gospel. Because people need to see the gospel in an operation. You see that? You see the context of the truth, but the principle is not altering it, but just pulling a principle out of that one. Is everybody okay with that? Cool. Number two. So the context of what the Bible's what's written over there. Number two, is there a promise for me to remember? Remember Psalm 119 verse 11? Thy word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. God wants us to hide his word in our heart. So therefore, remember Joshua, meditate on your word day and night, you'll be successful. So when the enemy comes against me, what tool do I have to resist him? The word. When you are fighting a war and you're on the border and the enemy starts to shoot, you don't run back to barracks and say, please teach me how to shoot. Because you're already dead. If you're going to go onto the war face, you better have ammunition and you better know how to use that. Many Christians are dying because we're not taking the time to hide the word in our heart. We can't quote scripture on the run. And so when we start to read, find scriptures that are promises for you to be able to start to memorize, meditate on, get them on the inside of you. You see, the enemy is going to attack your salvation and question whether you are saved or not. In John chapter 1 verse 12, it says, To all who received him, to all who called in his name, he gave the right to be called children of God. When the enemy throws that out, you just quote John 1, 12 to him. I am a child. Why? Because I've called on his name and he gave me the right to be his child. Never mind, there's lots of other scriptures. But I'm just giving you an illustration. Okay? So everything, when the enemy comes against your finances, what are you going to do? You have to find scripture that talks about how God it will bless you. And then you've got to stand on that. And when everything is going wrong, you just keep standing on it. I will rather die declaring God's word than falling by the wayside because I never had the word. So the promise of his word is a tool in my mouth and it's a weapon against the enemy. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard. What is his standard? His word. His word is, can I say this to you? The enemy is not scared of you. Even if you say, I'm a Christian, he's not scared of you. The thing he's scared of is the word in you. You know why? Because the word beat him at the cross. The word beat him at the cross. And therefore, if you and I will get become people that are hungry for the word, love the word, speak the word, I'm telling you, you'll start to see great things change. So when you are reading through and you find a scripture, underline it in your Bible. But then write it on a piece of card, put it in your pocket, and that becomes your homework for the day. That the rest of that day, you keep on, you, you, you memorize that thing. You say the, the address, which is the scripture, John 1, 12, 
and then you read. So then you read the scripture, you say the address. You say the address, you read the scripture. You meditate, you think about it. What it is that, I, that because I've called on him, I'm given the right to become a son. You see, here, here's the change that needs to happen in our minds. So many of us, we are actually trying to serve God, but with a servant mindset. We haven't become sons and daughters yet. And so that thing has to change. And it's only because I'm hearing what the word says about me that I change that thing in my thinking. Because when I am a son, here, now here's the deal. When we are at home and Joel's got friends, it's very interesting. His friend sends a message to me via Joel. Why? Because they feel Joel has a far better channel. Then they would. Why? Because he's my son. They're not. Are you catching that? And so we need to get a mindset of I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I'm loved. I'm special. So that's why Psalm 119.11 says, Thy word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Getting the word in our heart is the key to the way I speak. And the way I pray changes everything. I'm not now praying my own ideas. I'm praying what God's word says. And when I'm praying what God's word says, I know the whole of heaven backs me. Dish. So remember, the devil's not scared of you. He's scared of the word that's in you. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing what? Hearing the word. Not hearing all the moaning and groaning that's going on in the office. And you know what? We all get, to the, we have moments where we are good at that. No, something happens and we're quick to say, but no, God's word says this. And then all of a sudden we get a little bit dry and then all the moaning kind of like this. And then we find ourselves, we're actually contributing to that moaning circle. Or am I the only person that kind of like gets there? No. And then you get to realize, you know what? I'm actually, this is not right. I shouldn't be here. And then we... I want to use a word there, but no, we, we fix ourselves. So here's what Mark eleven twenty two says. It says, have faith in God. Jesus answered. Truly, I say, I tell you, if you will, if you will, what's another word I could pick? If you could moan to the mountain and say, throw yourself in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it'll be done for him. The Bible doesn't say moan. It says speak. If you will say to the mountain, you and I got to start to speak to our mountains. Do you feel like you're a little bit crazy when you're doing that? Of course you do. Because in the natural, a mountain is immovable. But I want to tell you, when God gets hold of it, it changes. It changes in Jesus' name. Now, am I always going to get it right? I haven't. But that doesn't make me stop. That makes me get up and do it again. And get up and do it again. And get up and do it again. Why? Because I'm more convinced about the word than about anything else. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 13 says, As is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Speaking what God's word is. So number two. Number one, get the context, uh, the context right. Number two, is there a promise for me to remember? Number three, is there something I must change in my life? 
Now we're getting to the, where the fire is. You see, God's word's intended to help you and I become better. God's not going to leave you and I where he found us. He'll get us there. But then he's on a journey. He wants to take us somewhere. And everything that I read in the word is going to be challenging certain things in my life. And what you'll find in the beginning is that he will challenge normally all the outside stuff. And then as you get, become more and more diligent in dealing with those, then it's amazing how he changes and starts to work on the inside stuff that nobody can see. The attitude. You know, some people, they get cross and they whip themselves. Whatever. God says, no, 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 I don't like your behavior. And he starts to deal with those kind of things. And so what happens is he starts to um, work on things. And maybe I've not been so honest with certain things and taking things that don't belong to me. And the Bible says, he who steals, steal no longer. Yeah. Okay, Lord, I'm sorry. I repent. I'm changing this thing. And then we change it. And what happens is we're becoming more and more like Jesus. You see, if there's no difference between the people in the world and us as a church, then where's our testimony? And the greatest tool that you and I have is our testimony. Because nobody can deny it. The people that got born again here on, on, on Thursday night, they have a testimony. And when they talk about it, they don't, they don't talk about somebody who's confused about it. They talk about it because it was real to them. And they say, I don't know what you see. Like, remember the, 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 the blind guy that the, 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 the religious people got hold of and it was giving him a hard time? And he says, I don't understand. But all I do know is once I was blind, but now I see. That's it. So, is what we're living and what we're saying, speaking the same language? You and I can destroy our testimony very quickly when we compromise. And we can get caught there very quickly. So, we must remember this. When you mess up, the devil is the one that accuses the brethren. He'll jump on that thing and he will make you feel bad. That's why God gives us the tool called repentance. And in Romans 8 verse 1 it says, Therefore now there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So when you and I ask for forgiveness, that's it. It's finished. I pick myself up and I go again. And if I fall again, I pick myself up and I go again. And I fall again, I pick myself up and I go again. You don't stay. While you stay on the floor, you're out of the fight. I'm going to say that again. While you stay on the floor, you're out of the fight. Get up. Get up. You might be bruised. Have you seen the boxers that have taken a serious punch? I mean, they drag themselves up the rope. But they're getting off the floor. Why? Because they still want to stay in the fight. Maybe they don't even have hardly any strength to be able to stand on their own feet. But they're pulling themselves up with all the strength that they do have because they want to stay in the fight. I'm asking you, will you just keep staying in the fight? Keep staying in the fight. Number four, as we land, what can I go and share with somebody else today? I have got to find out in my life that I have learned more by when, I, when something starts to become like a bit of a revelation or it challenges me or whatever, that the more I share it with other people, the stronger that thing becomes in my life. 
Life is not about everything towards me. Life is about living my life away from myself to help someone else. So you'll notice I try and tell stories of my life and all that kind of stuff. Why? Because those are the, 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 the examples of how I've maybe won or how I've lost or, or whatever to help others. So we get to realize we don't give up. We keep going. We keep helping other people. Life is about others. My experiences, hopefully, will help others to grow. Why is this important? If I had a... I want you to imagine this glass full. How much more water could I put in there if it was full? No more. Now, the problem is that we go and spend time with the Lord every single day, and we have our glass filled up, and then we do nothing with it, and tomorrow morning we go and sit in God's presence. I need to, during the day, empty it out so that tomorrow morning when I sit with God, He fills me up again. And then during the day, I pour myself out, and I help other people, and then tomorrow morning... I fill myself up again. You see, a swamp has got water in it, but it doesn't flow. And therefore, there's no life there. Nothing lives there. There's no, no animal life at all. But a river, you'll find next to a river, there's, there's, there's life. And God wants you and I to be a river. That as we get something from the Word, share it with somebody. Get onto a group, somebody in your com, whatever. Share the thing. We've been reading through the book of John. How's that been going? Have you been excited? Have you been learning some things? Have you been sharing it with other people? There's a group that's going on, on Telegram. And then some days there's lots of activities and some days there's no activity. That's all right. We have good days. We have bad days. We understand that. We're not perfect every day. But all I'm saying is share something. Share something that you're getting from the Word. Share it. That means I'm emptying myself so that God can give me more stuff. In Psalm 1, it talks about, talks about a tree planted by the streams of water, yielding fruit in season, leaves that do not wither, and whatever they do will prosper. Jesus wants you and I to have His life flowing through us. Let's let it. Open, open the, open the thing. Let, let, let people drink from your life. Nobody's going to worship you because you're not God. But you're sure going to help somebody. Let that be the source of life to you. Trust this is helping somebody today. Because, you know, we can spiritualize our spiritual life and we actually go nowhere. And unfortunately, I'm just a simple guy. There's simple ways to do things. And we just share those things so that everybody, somehow, whether you've got degrees behind your name or you've got nothing behind your name, we all can progress in serving God. Amen. Come on, let's pray. Father, we love you. We've sung tonight about how we love you. And Lord, we can't say we love you if we don't love your word. I'm praying tonight that, Lord, you will cause us to become lovers of your word. 
that we will need such nourishment that, Lord, we'll get to a place where our appetite will not be able to go not one day without being nourished by your word. Give us a hunger for that, I pray. In Jesus' name. Lord, I'm praying for us that maybe we haven't got into a, 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 a consistent time of reading the word and how the enemy I know is jumping on that bandwagon right now. But Lord, I thank you that there's no condemnation. So, but I pray that their faith would rise. Lord, I want that. I want that. And Lord, will you help us? Will you help us alternate or change our life so that we make time for you? In Jesus' name. And oh Lord, when we do that, I pray for an outpouring of your presence. I'm asking for an out, a freshness that would come. I pray that our faith levels will just rise to a whole nother place. In Jesus' name. I thank you. Your word is life to us. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name. And I declare over every single one of us, your word will not return void, but it will accomplish what it's intended to do in us in Jesus' name, thank you, my Father. We love and we exalt you. We worship you. We worship you. So with every head bowed, every eye closed.